0: Straight from my voice to your ear canal, another episode of Substance to Shit. Hey, how's it going, everyone? It's another day in paradise, and I brought with me uh, a blast from the past. Haven't uh, talked to this guy in quite a while, but um, the man, the myth, the legend himself, uh, Mr. Corey Harris. How you doing, Corey?
1: I'm doing fine. Doing fine.
0: Good. People probably better know you online as... um, uh, dreadful. So uh, I want to start there before we get into the beat of the show. Like, where did the name come from?
1: So pretty much it came from the show Penny Dreadful, which is kind of funny because I've never watched the show at all. But I have it in my Netflix queue. And one day I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go by Petty Dreadful. Mm-hmm. But then I got tired of the whole petty thing, so I just shortened it to Mr. Dreadful, and there we go.
0: So I would recommend the show. Like, I've seen it. Um, it's really good. It, I'm not a fan of the ending, but yeah. um, the ending was probably appropriate. You know, I didn't like it.
1: I think they're supposed to be doing another season.
0: Hmm. Interesting.
1: Yeah, one of my friends was telling me about it. So I think another season's on the way.
0: I don't know how I like that, but I'll, I'll leave that alone because I don't want to spoil anything if you're actually going to watch that at some point.
1: Definitely. So
0: I brought uh Mr. Dreadful along so we could talk about the movie Us, which came out, uh, I guess, what, two weeks ago now or two weekends ago? Yeah. And or take. Uh, before I get into the movie itself, I want to talk a little bit about the director, Mr. Jordan Peele, And I'm kind of excited to see what else he's going to put out in the future. He's one of the first directors I've really enjoyed that um, started directing um, during my lifetime as an adult. I'm a big fan of Tarantino, but Tarantino was well-established before I was really of the um, movie-watching age, at least his type of movies. Um, I think I was like seven years old when Pulp Fiction came out, so... I was not really old enough to watch that kind of a movie. Um, but Mr. Peel definitely given us a couple of things to chew on a lot. And I hope that the rest of his stuff is just as uh, thought-provoking. Do you have any uh, thoughts on Mr. Peel?
1: I mean, it's kind of a uh, – it's refreshing to see him go from, you know, Key and Peel and all that slapstick silliness to – Like, oh, this dude's really, really intelligent. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's par for the course as being, well, he's biracial. But let's just say that's par for the course for black people in America. You're going to be seen one way. But then when you flip the script on people, it's like, oh, I didn't know he was this. Mm -hmm. It's like, because you didn't ask me. You didn't allow me to showcase that. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to get pigeonholed. And I'm hoping this is taking away from that, quote unquote, stereotype for Jordan.
2: Yeah. Like, I've, um,
0: I really enjoy Keen Peel, um, despite it being kind of silly at times. Yeah. I like that he's really trying to distance himself from that show. And, um, I, I kind of thought that, um, Keegan might get like a a minor role in one of his movies, but, um, so far, nothing. Um, even though they're still like cool with each other, you know. Um, Right. Make sure that he, He's able to create a name for himself um, apart from uh, his former uh, buddy. So I want to let's uh, get into the movie a little bit. Uh, I want to start with like just like your overall impressions, and then we'll kind of talk about a couple of the characters and some of the metaphors and motifs in the movie. So just start so, with like your overall impressions. Like, how did you feel about the movie when you left it?
1: I mean. I'm really analytical. I like to see what's all going on in the movie, not just looking at it at a surface level. Cause you know, a lot of people went into it and like, Oh, it wasn't what I expected, you know, all this. And it's like, it's a thinking person's movie. Yeah. It's horror, but it's not, you know, Oh, stab me next. Or mm-hmm. well, we got to get away from the bad guy. And the fact that Jordan took a, very black family. These people were just black. Black, white, black. And he made them the center of the film. And he had them acting in ways that would be oh what's the word I'm looking for natural for white families in the same predicament. It's like it's a whole twist on the horror genre. You know, like he said, he's been catching flack over this. I don't want to cast a white dude as the lead. Because I've seen that movie before, and that's the mm-hmm. truth. We've seen that movie before. So, countless times. And while my favorite overall horror villain is Freddy Krueger, I mean, let's just be honest, we've seen white dudes killing white people all the time. It gets old.
0: Yeah. So I felt like I I enjoyed the movie. I'm not going to say that I liked it, per se. Yeah. Um, but I, I definitely enjoyed it. Um, one of the things that stood out to me that we've seen in other horror movies before is basically taking something that's not really associated with um, being horror and mm-hmm. um, just tweaking it just a little bit, and now it's kind of scary. Like we've seen like clowns and dolls, you know, in, in other movies. Um, before, like at that time when they first came out, it was like this is not something that people considered scary. Now that change is yeah. kind of like, well, maybe it is a little frightening. So the song, you know, Five On It, and then, um, like, Hands Across America. So there's yeah. those things just a little bit um, to make them kind of scary, I thought was uh, pretty interesting, and I definitely enjoyed that a little bit.
1: Definitely. I agree with you, especially with the I Got Five On It, because yeah. you would never think of a song about weed could be used to instill fear and paranoia. Mm -hmm. yeah when you get high you could be you could have fear feelings of fear (laughs) and paranoia but it's just a simple fact that jordan heard the song was like hey let's do this and then you know you've got a soundtrack that's taking hip-hop and making it quote-unquote scary Mm -hmm. not in the sense of you know oh like two live crew and all the. uh Banned in the USA, Second not Second Amendment, First Amendment stuff. Mm-hmm. Now this is legitimately scary. Yeah. There's a fear that resonates within all of us about what we can't see, what we're used to being twisted.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I thought that was pretty good. Um, I, I definitely found it interesting how, as you were kind of alluding to earlier, the the family, like if you remove their skin color. And just Mm -hmm. based the movie on what they sound like and what the actions were, you would assume that it was a white family. Exactly. Um, And so I I, I can appreciate that because I feel that, you know, in 2019, we have a lot more families that if you remove their skin color, you would assume it's just like white people, you know, just doing uh, very suburban things, you know? Exactly. And so this idea that a black person has to be Hood or it has to be like very urban or whatever, um, it's not just played out, but it's like it has no actual basis in reality. It's just that the media is very good at uh, reminding us of some of our colleagues that are, uh, you know, in poor areas in, in the world right now.
1: Exactly. And what I was afraid of with this movie, pun intended. Was that, you know, a long time ago when Spike Lee was doing his movies Mm -hmm. and uh, the Jeffersons were out and Cosby was out, people were raising all kinds of hell. Like, that's not an accurate description of African American life. Okay, so we're supposed to just be stuck in the ghetto like Florida and James or, uh, you know, what else do we have? We can't aspire to be something. And then, furthermore, who said, all of these things were quote unquote white. When did white become the norm? Who yeah. suggested that was the norm? So when you're able to look beyond just skin color as a surface and you look at the deeper levels of it, you'll find that like you said, all these things can be changed out if you change out the color. Mm-hmm. We're all the same. Skin tone is a convenience. It's what we see on the surface.
0: Or inconvenience, depending on how you look at it.
1: Yeah, yeah, there you go.
0: Um, so, I wanna talk a little bit about some of the, the characters, um, like our impressions of them. Uh, I wanna start with uh, Winston Duke's character, um, Gabe Wilson, who probably the one that I thought about the most, even though he's not really the star of the movie. And I think I probably thought about him more because I'm a man, um, whereas, like, Red is obviously a woman. And I feel like his character was actually very, very believable. You know, um, he's like the dad that's trying to be cool. Like you see him like dabbing in the uh, beginning of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, he's trying to get the family hype for, you know, being at the beach and all this kind of stuff, which is things very similar to like what my own father has done or I've seen other people who are fathers now do where they're trying to, you know, relate to the kids who are, you know, 20, 25 years younger than them. Um, so they're trying to, like, bridge that gap, but they're not really doing it the way the kids would do it. It just comes off really corny. Right. Um, yeah. But then I also felt like when when the actual movies is, like, really get into itself and you see him, you know, struggling, uh, trying to fight off these attackers and everything, it like it was bothersome in the sense that like he's not the the classic um, male hero where he just kind of like finds strength out of nowhere, but rather it's more, more believable where he's he's struggling, you know. Like he's trying to preserve life and life of his family. He's also trying to like fend off these attackers, and he's not actually a combatant. You know, he's never he's probably never been in a fight in his life, you know, so he really doesn't know um how to actually fight and he's trying to get through that um and so he kind of gets showed up a little bit later on um where he's still like you're not in charge anymore which kind of stung This a like i don't like that
2: because
0: <laughs> i don't know if he could ever like if they survive i don't think he'd like recover like be the head of the household after that mm-hmm. but um it felt very believable, and that alone was enough to make it enjoyable. Like um, his struggles felt plausible, and then his his reasoning—you know, like we'll just stay in this house, you know, we'll call the police—like all those things felt uh, very believable, which made for a more enjoyable experience.
1: Right, uh, and I agree with you with all of that. The way I was looking at, oh, uh, what was his name?
0: Uh, Gage.
1: Gabe, yeah. So, I saw Gabe, at, well, the dynamic between Gabe and Adelaide as, like, within these movies, with possibly the exception of Halloween, it's always the male who's coming in, swooping in, sur- or saving everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, damsel in distress. Yeah. Here, you had a damsel in distress, quote-unquote. We can get to that later. But, oh, Gabe was secondary to that. Mm-hmm. He was, that's where Jordan comes in, twisting everything, the uh, conventional norms. And then I was looking at it like the dynamic between black men and black women. You know, yeah. some women want the strong black man, you know, mm-hmm. some women don't really want that, but they don't want no punk. Yeah. So, you know, some of these women looking at Gabe, they'd be like, all oh, that dude's a punk. And then some women would be like, okay, you know, we're getting some shine here because, let's be honest, the black woman is one of the most persecuted, unloved people, or groups of people in America, possibly the world. So with Jordan making Adelaide the focus, the quote-unquote breadwinner, the quote-unquote strong person in this film, it's comforting, as long as it wasn't done out of malice towards Gabe Oh, and on a larger scale, the black man. hmm Oh, and also shout out to the Howard shirt plug. Oh,
2: yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had to. But that's it. something you don't really see. Mm-hmm.
0: That's uh, actually when my parents uh, graduated.
1: They graduated from Howard? Mm-hmm. That was actually one of my first choices uh, for college. It was Howard, Morehouse, uh, North Carolina. But somehow I wound up at Memphis, then UT. But well, that's another story.
0: <laughs> like the farthest thing from uh, Howard and Warhouse, though. That's a that's a big difference there.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um. But yeah. <clears throat> so we'll move on to uh, Adelaide. Um. Her character. What were your thoughts on her?
1: I liked Adelaide, and you know, in case anyone will listen to this and they haven't watched the movie. I mean, if you saw the trailers and everything and had an, and were, was in tune with it all, you kind of knew Adelaide wasn't quite Adelaide. Mm-hmm. It, that was already obvious. But oh, with Adelaide, you had to look at it from an understanding of mental health. Like, she was going through something. No one could understand why or what was going on except for her. So once... Red came into the party, and turned it around. It's like, oh, okay, this is about to get real because we spent the whole movie rooting for who we thought was the good guy or good girl, mm-hmm. when in turn we're rooting for we're rooting for the villain. Yeah. So and then taking it back, there's a stigma of black women always trying to keep other black women down. Mm-hmm. So you got to play on that dynamic as well It's like, damn, we can't live. Why do I have to? It's hard for women like me because of, excuse my language, bitches like you. Mm -hmm. So, but I I dug Adelaide's, her feistiness. You know, she was willing to fight, you know, not just sit around once stuff got real.
2: Yeah.
1: Because, you know, a lot of people just sit around like, oh my God, what I'm going to do. And going back to uh, Gabe, You know, a lot of people, and I know you've seen it, you know, being online and everything, all these people get online talking about, man, had that been me, I would have done this. Nobody knows what they're going to do in a given situation until you're put in that situation. Yeah. So you're either going to respond accordingly or you're just going to panic. And when all hell breaks loose, then you figure it out. Sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse.
0: Yeah. I mean, in those type of situations, it's very difficult to maintain a level head like, the response is typically um, whatever you have, like, instinctively inside of you, you know? So it's not going to be, like, let me sit down, like, let me weigh out all the options. You're just going to go to, like, whatever your instinct tells you. Um, depending on the situation, like, you might run away. Uh, you might stand a fight. But typically, it's how do I keep myself alive? Like, that's typically people's first instinct. Mm-hmm. This not surprising that his character responds in this manner because the first instinct is preservation of life. Like, how do I live? And right. going out and fighting doesn't seem like that's part of how do I live, you know? Um, so I, I enjoyed her character. I like the fact that she kind of went from, um, you know, she's trying to protect her kids and it ends up where she's the aggressor. Um, mm-hmm. And so she basically is like, "Gabe, you watch the kids. I'll go out here and and take care of the situation." You know, right? that um, I I thought it was interesting that how they kind of hinted at you know her having like some sort of like mental handicap, um, like a t- type of like traumatic experience that she had in her childhood, and she's trying to get over it. And exactly. Um, well, when we talk about Adelaide, we also have to talk about Red, who, um, it's kind of like her foil almost, and it's like her, but her taking a different decision down whatever path. You know, like we've mm-hmm. always wondered, you know, what would happen if I had made this other decision at this major turning point in my life? And Red is kind of Adelaide having made a different decision at you know a major turning point in her life, you know? Right. Um, so I thought they, they had a very good foil. I kind of wish that we'd had a chance to see um, some of the other characters um, mirror, um, like the, the tethered mirror, their, um, I guess their regular stuff? I'm not sure what they call it. Yeah. In the movie. Um, but it obviously, it is like one, you know, two-hour movie or whatever, so you only have time to develop all the characters, but... I kind of would like to see, you know, Abraham, who was Gabe's uh, tethered, um, do more than just kind of grunt a little bit. Right. Uh, I mean, definitely, like, he put on the glasses and that kind of thing. He's trying to, like, understand, like, like what does it mean that glasses on, that kind of thing. Um, I would like to see a little bit more to that, though.
1: And the thing of it was, somebody brought this up. They are like, well, how was it Red was able to, you know, communicate Beyond the normal grunts and everything,
2: mm-hmm.
1: whereas all the other ones, all the other tethered were just very primal, and it's like well, one, there was your spoiler right there that should have shown yeah. you who was who, oh mm-hmm. uh, two, you had to look at the dynamic between and I'm probably jumping ahead, but look at the dynamic between Jason and Pluto, the old uh, boys mm-hmm. and oh, uh, did you oh uh, read my recap on us?
0: Uh, I did. I did.
1: Okay. So I've made a point of like, you know, kids, they're still developing in their minds. You know, they're not the most uh, intelligent per se uh, at their age, but they are the first ones to pick up on some things. Mm-hmm. The problem becomes when you ignore kids, when you leave them to be kids or keep them in a child's place or you take away their voice things can go wrong very quickly. That's mm-hmm. why we have a lot of damaged adults right now because no one listened to them as kids. Yeah. So when, uh, Jason was able to communicate with Pluto, it's like, if you didn't, if you weren't picking up on, it, you're like, well, how is he doing this? Like, well, he, they're kids. Kids are easily or easily malleable.
2: Mm-hmm. It's
1: monkey see monkey do. So when he killed Pluto, it's like it kind of makes sense because J or Pluto doesn't know but yet he knows. Mm-hmm. But um uh, that's really really it on that. Oh and then also in the whole triangle of th- or not triangle well yeah triangle of things I was looking at the tethered versus the untethered like oh uh, id ego and superego. I don't know if you're familiar with those within the psychology realm mm-hmm. of things. But I was trying to figure out how that would all piece together. I'm still trying to figure it out, but I would like to think the tethered are probably representative of the id, you know, Mm -hmm. our primal instincts. That's basically what it
0: was, you know, like what is my default, um, like without any type of education, any type of experience mm -hmm. is really, um, like without a lot of like social pressure, trying to uh, make you conform to certain ideas, Like, how would I act in the world, you know?
1: Exactly. So when you're just an experiment and not given anything more than, you know, experimentation, you're not going to pick up on things. So you're going to be very primal. Mm -hmm. You'll pick up on a little bit, but unfortunately, you're just going to be one person, one mind, or of no mind.
2: Yeah.
0: And that was kind of what... um, Basically, all the characters except for Red had was just like not the ability to really rationalize and uh, think through things, just kind of operating off of instinct only. Right. Um, with Red being the only person to really give them any type of direction in their life. Um, and the the girl, I what was her name? Zora. Yeah. So. Um, I thought her character was interesting, too. Um, they didn't really uh, play up on it too much with her, you know, being the, a track star, or um, but it felt almost like she didn't really want to um, run track, but her um, her tether did, though.
1: So it's like, mm-hmm. it like a tether
0: actually put in the work to be good at track, whereas Zora's kind of like, eh, do I have to? Right. Um, And so you see kind of play out where the tether catches up to her, you know, whereas, like, if everything else is equal, they should be, like, the same speed. Exactly. Um, And so the the person who is more primal, who basically this is what she does, just runs around or whatever, like, is able to to catch up with her in in relatively short order.
1: Exactly. Uh, I know I was getting a kick out of the fact that uh, Zora's shirt had T-H-O on it. I was Mm -hmm. like, I hope they didn't put a put a shirt on this child that said thought. So I actually went (laughs) back and looked it up. And though I think it's Greek for rabbit.
2: Oh, okay.
1: If I'm not mistaken, it's something it has something to do with rabbits. And then also speaking of running and with uh, Zora and I forget the uh, her tethered's name, but uh, I was looking at it going back to get out because you know, everybody and their mom was comparing this movie to get out.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Oh, in the beginning of get out, they had that song run rabbit run. Yeah. So now you've got rabbits as the first thing you see in us. Then you've got people running. Maybe it was just, I'm reaching, but it it's, it's there. Yeah. But, oh, And it was kind of funny how Zora's tethered. There's two instances. One, when uh, they were escaping the house and Zora's tethered, is trying to break into the car and she gets flung into the forest. Mm. How Adelaide didn't put her out of her misery. She actually was kind of empathetic to her situation. Yeah. And then, oh, also with... Zora and her tethered when they first meet and that guy comes out to investigate the noise. Mm -hmm. Zora's tether just pretty much ignored Zora. She just went after the dude.
0: Yeah.
1: So it's like, well... I'll
0: I'll be to catch up to you anyway.
1: Yeah, like, okay, you can go ahead. I, I got this guy, but I'm gonna get you. So it's kind of like taking it back to older movies where when this brings me to something I left out of my recap, oh, like, there are a lot of subtle hints to older movies. Like, you know, you can never get away from Jason or mm-hmm. uh, Michael Myers. They always catch you. You can throw a distraction towards them, but they're going to get you.
0: Despite the fact that they never run, um, they move so slow. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, like somehow they basically always catch up. Like, I don't know if they have like just infinite stamina and they're just able to keep going. Whereas everybody else gets like tired. It's kind of like,
1: <sighs> yeah,
0: <laughs> but they they never run. It's kind of like, like I I'm not in a hurry. I got all night. Um, I, exactly. I get to you. then go ahead. Well, I was going to move on, but if you got another point you want to put in there, nah, nah. So we have like there's like some number of themes and um, analogies and whatnot in the movie, and. For me like one of the ones that stood out to me the most is kind of like how people are able to forget who they are so to speak
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, because of the pressures from their peers or you know from media or their parents it's very easy for us to forget like who we are but the exactly. other part of that though is um, like who gets to define who we are because exactly. If we define who we are, then we're essentially immune to um, what the world says about us, what our peers and whatnot say about us. But at the same time, like how, if if everyone else agrees that you are X, like it's like how are you not be X? Um, that's kind of I felt like what the movie was like hinting at subtly it was where you know Adelaide has basically been told by her parents and presumably. By her peers and all that that um, this is who you are uh, this is how you're supposed to act and whatnot and so over time she forgets that she was originally red
2: and mm-hmm.
0: you know she's forgotten all these things about her, her childhood and everything because of her conditioning by her parents and by the world in general and going back to this place kind of reminds her like oh this is actually where I came from
1: Mm-hmm. that's so, very, tr- very true very true
0: so, were there any um like metaphors or whatnot that you thought were particularly interesting?
1: Oh, to piggyback off of what you said, i was in my recap, I was talking about how you know some people you're you're either who you are on the surface or there's something inside of you that you don't let out mm-hmm. oh, the duality of things, oh, just like scissors if you take apart scissors. They're the same exact thing, but together they can create or destroy. Mm -hmm. So with what you're saying, a lot of people, they, you know, they start off with one mindset. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Maybe due to social, social conditioning, whatever. Then once they get out and become somebody, quote unquote, they forget this person. A lot of people in the world are always complaining, well, can't somebody grow? Are we not allowed to grow? Well, that depends on who you're talking to. Some people, you got to always keep it real or you're not black enough or you're not, I don't know if white people do this, but you're not white enough, so on and so forth. You're not man enough. You're not woman enough. Mm -hmm. So if you stray away from the norm, you're going to be looked at differently. So with red and Adelaide or tethered versus untethered, but let's just leave it at red and adelaide since they're the most obvious adelaide was became what red was supposed to be
2: yeah
1: red was already in her primal stages of development she lost all of her development as a child the most crucial point of development so how do you think you're going to act if you're not shown properly Of course, now with red, she was, she made the quip, like without you, I would have never learned to dance. Mm -hmm. So all in all, you just have to be aware of who you are and not let social influences affect you to the point of malice. Yeah. If you're doing it to please someone else and not yourself, if you're growing, but losing sight of yourself, then what's the purpose? you're just doing something just to be doing it. You know, there's, there's a lot of ways we can look at this like assimilation. Oh, I think I was looking at it from a point of integration. Yeah. So that's another, that's a whole nother story, but you know, we're trying to build ourselves up, make ourselves better, but at what cost? Yeah. Are we going to lose sight of ourselves in order to gain prosperity and whatnot?
0: Yeah. There's, Um, a lot of layers to it i mean even when i think about when people go from living at home to going to college um Mm -hmm. how for a lot of people it's they didn't really change per se but the things that they had to suppress uh when they're at home they're allowed to express once they reach college and for some people they did change you know they their friends, like the type of people that they associate with on a regular basis, changed, and so they changed along with that. Um, you know, some people couldn't handle it and they left. Um, some people could handle it. Some people, um, I would say, some for the better and some for the worse. You know, became different people by the time they left college. You know, right. Um, but and
1: that's I, a that's good that you brought up college too, because that's mm-hmm. where a lot of our conditioning into going into going from teen years, young adult years to uh adulthood, that's where it comes that's where it starts. Mm-hmm. Now you're on the path from childish things and getting away from childish things, but you know, you got a lot of people our age, 30 and up, and you're still acting like kids because they weren't taught how to be an adult. Mm-hmm. But who says what's the standard on being an adult? I mean, I'm 36. I still don't know how to act. 36. Yeah. So, I mean, I like to think I'm doing pretty good, but still.
0: Yeah, it's like it's it's, sometimes I feel like you know when I like play video games or whatever. um, It's like, man, is this what an adult's supposed to be doing? But I feel like uh, being an adult is almost like I work enough so that I can do the the childish things I want to do.
1: Exactly,
0: Um, you know, and I feel like some people are bothered by doing those type of things or whatever. But uh, that, to me, that's what's all about. You know, Um, were there any other like metaphors that you um, of note to you in the movie?
1: The uh, hands across America thing—that was when it first popped up on the screen. The whole theater was quiet, but I just bust out laughing because you know. (laughs) With hands across America we love a good a feel good story. We love charities. We love GoFundMe for my dog fell out the tree. Yeah. Please send a $1000. Like, okay, you know, I got a dog too and I remember when he fell off the curb. Mm. But oh uh, but what happens on the other side of the charity giving? You know, what happens when this money is not used properly?
2: Yeah.
1: When We raise all this money, we do all of this, but then we still have nonsense. Mm -hmm. We still have homeless people, we still have poor, this, that, and the other. So in this display of quote-unquote hands across America, like, yeah, you did all this, but for what? So then at the end, when you had all the tethered, completing Red's plan – and they're stretched across hands across America, like, yeah, it's a very twisted display of unity within chaos. Mm -hmm. Because, like, right now, this is a chaotic time to be alive. Like, yeah, we may not see it every day. I mean, I walk out the door and go to work without any issue, but there are people struggling. There are people who are being affected by the dude in the White House's policies or their local government policy or something at work, this, that, and the other. Mm -hmm. And when you're not being watched out for looked at, you're going to retaliate in some sort of way and not for the better. Oh, when I was younger, I would always like to get into arguments on Facebook. You know, I'm good for that. I used to be real good. I just like people's asses up without any reason. But then when you start to think about it, it's like, dude, we're in the same boat. Why are we arguing? Your Mm -hmm. beef is not with me and vice versa. So with, the tethered in this unity, they're more united, even though they've caused all this chaos, they still have inner turmoil to deal with themselves. So how is it in their turmoil they could unite, whereas us, we're just still scrambling around, like, oh my God, they're coming to kill me. Like, hey, let's figure out a plan before they wipe us out or we wipe them out. And that's what it's about, us versus them.
0: I mean, a part of it is like... The being primal versus having all this social conditioning, you know, mm-hmm. like it's it's a lot easier to work together with people when you're not concerned with the credit. And so, for the tether, they're they're doing all this together, and no one's really trying to get glory. Like, not even Red is trying to like get glory for uh, this plan that they have and put in motion, right? Um, whereas, like with people, like everybody wants to be the badass. Everybody wants to be the brains. Um, no one really wants to put in the work. We, we want the results, but we don't really want the success unless we're getting the shine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when people are able to set pride and all that kind of stuff aside, you can accomplish so much more.
1: Exactly. And then uh, one other thing that I liked, Oh, the Jeremiah eleven eleven verse. Mm-hmm and how it permeated throughout the whole movie. It's like, you know, a lot of Americans like to believe we're a Christian nation when we're anything but. If you know your history, people were were escaped to America to uh, get away from religious persecution and all this and that. So now you get all these people who are so gung-ho about Christianity and, you know, God sent Donald Trump and this, that, and the other. And then when you start to think about who God is, is he this benevolent, empathetic being who's looking out for all of his children? Or, excuse my language, is he an asshole who doesn't care? But we're supposed to worship this dude. So when you look at Jeremiah eleven eleven, I'll have to look up the verse Hold on one second. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I will bring on them a disaster they cannot escape although they cry out to me, I will not listen to them. That's the whole movie. When stuff starts getting real, everybody's like, Oh my God, I need help. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, you brought this on yourself. How are you going to get out of this situation? Yeah. And you can, if you're going to look at Christianity for all of its good, you've got to be ready to accept it's bad. Plain and simple. I, I have nothing against religion, but I do have something against its practitioners because religion really in the wrong <laughs> issue, really. Yeah. Like,
0: for, if, like since the beginning of re- religion, people have used it as a way to subjugate other people and as mm-hmm. to, like, justify their atrocities. And that's what mm-hmm. bothers me about um, when people do these terrible things and they claim to be Christian, it's just like, ah, oh, you're making it bad for everybody else, you know?
1: Right if we're going to be real, the Klan was a Christian organization and well, they were burning crosses. I I don't know how you justify that. You're burning the thing that killed your savior Mm -hmm. or where your savior died. Like you're, you're not understanding this or you're supposed to be, you're supposed to love your neighbor, but you're going to kill this guy because he doesn't look like you. Or Mm -hmm. you're going to kill this woman because she doesn't look like you. Where is the Christianity in that? Where is, the God, where's God's love in that?
0: Like, that's the, the whole thing is that people are able to twist things. Um, you know, something that's supposed to be good. People are able to take it and make it into something violent, something malicious, something outright evil. Right. And that also feels similar to like what the movie does. You know, we take certain songs, we take certain imagery that, um, we generally consider to be peaceful or positive and we, we turn it to something that's um, terrible and horrific and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we have like, uh, like scissors, like scissors are not really considered something to be um, like evil or malicious or anything, but I'm looking forward to uh, the costumes um, for this Halloween. I'm sure there's going be a lot of scissors around. Exactly. You know, so just taking something that seems rather mundane and just kind of like twisting it to where, well, now it has a little bit of malice attached to it.
1: Exactly, and like I said, I better see four sets of twins this year. <laughs> that's that's a perfect opportunity that would be mm-hmm. wasted. Like it's it's there. It's obvious.
0: Yeah, yeah that's the that's the easy one. Um, I thought it was also interesting that. Um, the I think the the Wilsons I think was their last name in the movie. Uh, that when they killed like the the white family, they only killed the tethered, and yep. but part of that, that said to me was just like the idea that we have this beef with white people. It's like we don't really have a beef with white people per se. We just have a beef with um, like this type of white person, this type of mm-hmm. white person's thinking more so than just white people in general. And um, the other interesting part is that it's not just us to have a problem with this type of white person or this white person's thinking. Other white people do too. Yeah. And it's crazy because all the white people were killed by basically themselves. And um, like I wonder just how often do white people even notice when other white people are being detrimental to them as an entire group, you know?
1: Exactly. That sounds just like point number. I'm looking at my recap point number 23, where I said like, speaking of white folks getting murdered, kind of interesting that the only time the black people killed the white people was when they were out of character. Mm-hmm. Cause some people would have you believe that black people are just out killing white people for no apparent reason. Or they'll, and that's when they bring up, well, what about black-on-black black crime, or what about Chicago, and this, that, and the other? Like, That's awesome, but what does that have to do with the situation right now? Yeah. And I made a joke. I was like, you know, you can't have a movie that white people are going to watch where you got black people killing white people. You can't do that. Yeah, Quentin Tarantino got away with it, and you know, he had Jamie Foxx beating down one of the slave masters in the Austin Power suit, but it was part of the whole thing. It made sense. But this is like a family quote unquote movie. You got family versus family. Yeah. You can't just have these people killing people, even though they're in a dangerous situation. Mm-hmm. We couldn't even get through oh uh, it was a John Grisham oh uh, adaptation. I think it was the Pelican Brief, whatever the one with Denzel Washington. Yeah. I think it was the Pelican Brief. And they were making a big deal out of it because in the South they did not want to see Julia Roberts' character and Denzel Washington's character Kiss. Mm. Like really? This is fiction. Why should it matter? But you know, life imitates art and here we are. Yeah. But oh uh, going back to that whole thing in that oh uh, in the I forgot the name of that family, the white people in the movie, but going back to the house and that that whole scene. It was funny how you know white people will exist in a bubble, and then once they are torn out of that bubble, they don't know how to act because everything was all good. They had good vibrations, but then you know, all of a sudden, here come the tether, just messes stuff up. Yeah. And how, and how do you act? How do you react to that? It's and a, that's it's
0: tough for most people, you know.
1: And that's where we are right now. You know, you've got a lot of people that happen to be white there it they exist in this bubble that, this contained level of thinking like oh this doesn't happen oh you're overreacting get over it this that and the other
2: mm-hmm.
1: until something affects them and it's like oh i didn't know this was happening well we've been trying to tell you but you didn't want to listen
2: yeah
1: so what do you want to do now but yeah. can i just say go ahead
0: uh, I was gonna say, like, it's, it's difficult for people to really want to listen because if I say that there's a problem, and someone else like actually listens to it, like as long as they're being forced to do something, mm-hmm. um, and people don't want to do anything, like that's the thing. Like, it's like I don't want to have to be bothered with it if I don't have to, you know? Uh, let that be a problem over there. Like, I don't, I don't want to be concerned with uh, that. Like, I'm enjoying my life right here. Like, don't make me have to get up out of, off the couch and do something, you know?
1: Exactly. But can I just say that I really enjoyed the whole scene with Fuck the Police. That was just so fitting. <laughs> I'll just bust out laughing in the theater when that happened because it was just such such a juxtaposition between you got this song by this group of people that was so... Criticized and lambasted when it came out, and you know, honestly, rightfully so. Because if I were a cop, I really would want to hear a song called "Fuck the Police." Like, let's just yeah. be honest. Yeah. But then, when you put it in the situation where there's chaos going on, we're calling for help, but we can't get help. Mm-hmm. So now you you as a white family are aware of things we as black people are going through when we want to call the police. Yeah. You know, it's like how fitting and then going back with looking at it from the whole soundtrack as it involves hip hop, you know, like I said, hip hop has been demonized sometimes rightfully so this, that, and the other, and it's been shined and written off, but Jordan found a way to make it fit to make all this. So uh, unnecessary, scary, Oh, uh, characterization of hip hop, he made it fit within this movie mm-hmm. he made it fit within this horror he he brought out the horror of hip hop yeah the true horror of it so when you're looking at fuck the police are you going to see it as an indictment against cops or are you going to look at it like oh no there's something seriously going on what are we going to do about it or are you going to look at I got five on it as just a straight weed anthem or after watching this movie it's like damn that's scary yeah
2: yeah, it was,
0: um a lot of interesting things like the the rabbits being everywhere.
1: Yeah,
2: um,
0: it was interesting. Cause I feel like because rabbits typically when they're experiment on they have like no value, like they're right. just there. Um, they like they're in these cages. They don't really have any types of rights. They Don't have any say in anything. Um, and they're confined. Like, they're not really allowed to leave or. Um, they can't really like, even move enough to get like proper exercise so you know you know being fat and everything right and so then we see you know people like white and black being very confined um, not really being able to get out and do what they wanted to like they're basically stuck doing whatever society says that they have
1: to do exactly and that's what happens when you're the oppressed like yeah. the oppressed just get overlooked you're supposed to be this way Mm-hmm. if you're, if we're so gung-ho on helping the oppressed then how are we going to criticize the oppressed with all of our efforts if our hands across America are not reaching these people
2: yeah like,
0: that, that's the whole thing is just kind of like um, and we'll do hands across America over here mm-hmm. we're not going to go over there and the moment it becomes inconvenient like, I don't want to do it anymore. Like that's that's too much work. Just don't bother with that anymore.
1: Exactly. Because you going back to the whole Christianity thing, why do we have to leave America to help the unfortunate? We got plenty of unfortunate here in America that are getting neglected.
0: Man, that's one of the things that um that bothers me about the church in general. Um, mm-hmm. like I like I'm a Christian, but I don't like how many christians exclude people um and how we don't really want to get dirty like we want to say we'll help the poor we'll help the shut-in the sick and all this but we want to do it in a manner that doesn't require us to get dirty and exactly if these people live somewhere where it's figuratively and literally dirty like how are we supposed to really get down there with them without dirtying ourselves a little bit you know
1: exactly
0: And, and Jesus was the person who didn't mind getting dirty, you know, like he, uh, like washed people's feet and stuff, which, um, historically speaking back then, didn't have sneakers, you know? Um, so their feet would have been filthy and he was just like, this is what I'm doing for y'all. Y'all do this for everybody else. Like get down there with them, you know? Um. And people just don't really want to do that. They don't want to be bothered with um, people who do not conform to what they think church members should be like.
1: Exactly. And the funny thing is going to be all these Christians who voted for Trump who will go on these missionary trips won a wall. Mm -hmm. And now we see the hands across America.
0: (laughs) It's, It's crazy. It's like, why... Uh, it should not be that way. I mean, it is. It's unfortunate. Um, but anyway, uh, any other thoughts about the movie?
1: I'll just say that it was a, I really liked the movie. You know, it piqued all of my analytical, psychological interests, all that sort. Uh, I'm really interested to see if Jordan turns this into a trilogy, because there are rumors of it being a trilogy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm really interested interested to see if this happens, because I was wondering, like, if you're in the sunken place, do you become tethered? Because when you go back to Get Out, and when they lost who they were, where did that person go? Yeah, the it, They would pop up every now and again, but mm-hmm. it was not them.
0: Interesting. Like, then- I, I read some fan wrote, like, some uh, theory about, like, the two movies being connected. And they might be. Uh, There's definitely enough room to create, like, a story that ties both of them together.
1: Right. I don't know how they'll do it, but that's just what I was thinking. Because it just kind of makes sense, but then, you know, they're supposed... The tethered are supposed to be experiments. Yeah. Then again, that's how people got screwed up and get out. They were experiments. Yeah. So... Maybe that's... We'll figure it out, but it would be a very interesting movie to see.
0: I mean, the beautiful thing about science fiction is that there's enough ways to tie anything together with enough creativity. Right. Um, so I, I definitely enjoy that type of genre overall, because you can just sprinkle just a little bit of science fiction into any other type of um, like movie type or whatever, or book type, and have like a very believable story with just a little bit of like uh twist to what you would expect things to go like. Um, but this the movie was pretty good. It was definitely worth watching. You know, it definitely pointed out a lot of things without being too over the top. And I think that's why I liked it the most. So to get out where I feel like it had a lot to say without necessarily being over the top. Uh, I guess that, I think that about does it. Uh, where can people find you on uh, social media?
1: So I'm on Facebook. Uh, should be able to just type in Mr. Dreadful, Mr. Without the Period, and it'll be Corey Harris. Trust me, you'll know if you found me by the profile <laughs> picture. Uh, also on Instagram under, I believe it's Petty, all lower, all lower space, Petty underscore Dreadful, and then Twitter, uh, Petty underscore Dreadful as well.
0: Okay. All right. Y'all check him out. It was
2: good talking to you. Uh, Don't be a stranger, man.
1: I'm always around. You know me.
2: (laughs) All right.